Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and welcome to Master Leadership, where we connect with leaders worldwide to gain insights on important topics to help us on our journey towards greater significance. If you would like to participate as a guest, or if you have a question that you would like to ask a guest, go to masterleadership.org for more information. William A. Adams is an award-winning diversity and inclusion innovator, an engineering trailblazer, and philanthropist. After rolling out critical XML code globally in many of Microsoft's core products, he was named the first technical advisor to the CTO of Azure, Kevin Scott. William has founded and overseen global initiatives that revolutionize how underserved communities access jobs and build careers at the company. As co-founder of the Leap Apprenticeship Program, named Microsoft's DNI Program of the Year in 2020, he helped launch the training of more than 26 cohorts around the world. Today, 98% of Leap participants have jobs in Microsoft or other high-tech companies. His most recent collaboration is with the U.S. Virgin Islands to establish and train a technical talent pool and build critical technical infrastructure. Early in his 30-year career in software engineering, William was one of the first black entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley. Through his company, Atomation, he developed mission-critical custom enterprise apps for Steve Jobs' Next Computers and pioneered a network instant messaging service purchased by the CIA. He holds two patents. Today, in addition to his role at Microsoft, William is the philanthropic founder of The Event, a collaborative community-based hackathon designed to solve real-world problems. When he's not tinkering with bits and bytes, the husband and father of three builds kitchen cabinets, knits, and tries to recapture the exhilaration of riding a motorcycle in India. Our interview will begin right after messages from our sponsors. Have you been wanting to launch your podcast and just haven't found the right resources? I launched Master Leadership Podcast in 2016, and it now ranks in top 1% globally. I've gathered all I've learned and created Master Your Podcast in a Weekend course on Master Your Swag app so that you have everything you need to share your voice with the world, minus those excuses. So download Master Your Swag app on Google or Apple platforms to access the Master Your Podcast course and launch your podcast this weekend. Welcome, William A. Adams. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. It's a bright, sunny day here in Seattle, so... Well, we're excited to have you. Are you ready to pour into our listeners? Oh, absolutely. All right. So tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now. 
Yeah, well, my path to leadership begins way back in the day. I'm 57. Me too. <laughs> Don't tell anyone, but I'm 57. So I, I've, I've been in the game a long time. Back in 1984, uh, my brother and I started a company called Adamation. And this was down in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, we were at UC Berkeley. And so my first leadership was actually slightly before that. I was the manager of the computer store at the Berkeley campus. But then we started our own business. So I was the VP of engineering of our little company of 10 people. So that was my first probably real leadership. But that evolved into us building a company for about 10 years and doing lots of software development. And eventually in 1998, I went to Microsoft. Mm-hmm. And I joined as just an individual contributor, even though I was previously, you know, owner of my own company. But pretty soon I became a lead for that team. A lead just means first level manager. But, you know, I had run my own company for a long time. So I knew how to rally the troops and set a vision and complete a mission and all that sort of stuff. When the opportunities came, like reorgs happen all the time. You know, at each opportunity, I stood up and said, I want to do that. Here's my vision. This is what we should do, (laughs) you know, and I just kept doing that for a number of years and built up a quite large engineering team. And then I kind of jumped out of that and decided to teach our engineers how to be engineers. So I actually moved to India for three years and taught all of our engineers, all our college hires, and all the way up through like how to be an architect for about three years. Wow. You could call that a leadership thing. The reason I did it really was I thought when I get done with this whole tech thing, I I probably want to be a high school teacher. Ah. So I I better start learning how to do public speaking and creating a curriculum and all this other sort of stuff. Because I was a really shy, introvert kind of person, even though I pushed myself to not be. I just wanted to learn that skill. So I did. And then I came back to the U.S. and I shipped some of the first services on our cloud offering called Azure. And eventually I co-created this program called Leap, which was about hiring women and minorities into core engineering roles at Microsoft. And that was 2015. The leadership on that was essentially showing the company how to do the diversity thing, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, as you can imagine, even in 2015, we had lots of people in the space, but we weren't doing a lot of actual hiring, which is true of many companies. Uh, So we were talking a good game and spending dollar, but we weren't hiring. So we tried to solve that problem. So we led the company in how to think different and how to do different and how to look at talent differently and how to look at coding academies and returning moms and veterans and say, well, here's a pathway. So we led the company to do that. During that process, I was in the office of the CTO. We created a new office of the CTO because we just acquired LinkedIn as a company. And that came with the senior head of engineering, Kevin Scott, and we made him our CTO and I was his first tech advisor. So I helped to shape, well, what is this office and how do we operate, right? And now I'm doing something not along those lines at all. It's just helping our Azure products be better for our customers by showing developers, giving them a direct connection to what the end users are experiencing and how they should change what they're coding to create better experiences for those users. Um, So not quite as leaderly as all those other things, but still, you know, just pushing the envelope. Well, you know, that's very leadery. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> what I love about, you know, what you shared is how you went into that space where you were uncomfortable and you yes. yourself. And that's yeah. going to be the thread throughout. Right. And, I, and I'm, I'm leaving a little, a couple of guideposts because it can get tedious, but I helped us push into Africa, for example. Just four years ago, we didn't have any engineering on the entirety of African continent. It's a huge swath of the planet. There's no engineers. Why is that? Because it just wasn't our focus. And so right. I helped push this. I wouldn't say I did it on my own. It was lots of people were trying to do it, but I just helped push it over the line. Right. And now we have 650 engineers on the continent of Africa. Goodness, growing. awesome. Oh, yeah. In four years, we just announced a month and a half ago, new building in Nairobi, Kenya. And look at all these people. And we're so awesome. You know, four years. And now I'm pushing for us to go into the Caribbean, you know, while I do my day job. So, you know, just always pushing like that. Right. You're such a high level producer. And yet you're here and we're speaking and I feel yeah. so relaxed around you. Like I feel like I'm chill because I'm chill. Yes, you are <laughs> chill. Oh my gosh. It's like you can run the world just hanging out. Hey, you do everything with ease and grace. I try. Well, I, I would say I'm not trying to brag. I'm just saying who I am. I feel fairly confident in my own skin these days. I'm transparent. I don't have anything to hide and I have nothing that I'm ashamed of. And I'm not trying to overachieve or trying to overly impress, right? It's like, I have a clear mission for myself. This is what I'm doing. I'm really proud of what I'm doing. And I'm just going to share it, right? Just That's it. And I want to tell you that I love it. It's refreshing to hear how you're getting shit done. And, you know, you push yourself to learn, to grow as you develop these amazing programs and this vision that you have. Now, you know, great leaders are lifelong learners. Yes. So what are you learning right now? I thought about this as I was reading through your questions. And it's like, well, what am I learning? What I'm learning is how to be of service to my community. And I say that and not, oh, I'm learning how to build kitchen cabinets, woodworking. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm doing that too. But really what I'm truly trying to learn is how to be of service to my community. And that includes trying to define my community in the first place. I mean, for those who can't see me, I classify myself as African-American Black. And you might assume that that means, oh, the Black community. It's like, well... I've been isolated in tech for 30 some odd years. So most of the quote community around me has been Asian, Indian, white, not black. I actually didn't really associate with a lot of that black community. And there's no one dimension to that community. Mm -hmm. It's extremely diverse. So finding my community, finding my tribe, learning how to interact with it, learning how to turn my 40 years of tech into something useful for them as I kind of step off the stage. That's what I'm learning how to do right now. Leadership is about that. It's about empowering others. And I love what you said, push them forward as I step off the stage. And that's key in helping your community globally, helping us expand as leaders and up having this conversation about empowering others, adding value to others with all the 40 years of experience that you have. There's so much value here. You're sharing it with your community. You're sharing it with us. And the learning is also personal transformation, right? My wife is from India. 
And as an American, I was very American, you know, is, I would call it selfish is the easiest description to say on a global scale. Uh, we think about ourselves, we think about what I'm going to get, how I'm going to achieve, you know, my riches, you know, and her attitude is completely different for her family is everything. Mm -hmm. And community is everything and giving is everything. So she's the counterbalance It's like, okay, you can make all that money you want. Why? <laughs> well, you can't take it with you literally so why what is all this for right. and that pulls me back and it's like oh yeah you have to think about giving and empathy more and not so much just about personal ego growth and development right and that's true leadership isn't it I think so I think so too and this is why I love having these conversations because we get to expand our thoughts about leadership one of the things I'm learning about is what they call quantum leadership you know leadership used to be I lead myself well I see I lead others well those people in my immediate surroundings but then you think of your organization and then you think of your community and then you think of it globally. And so yeah. that's what quantum leadership is. And that's the vibe I'm getting from you. It's just an expansion of being a human, a good human. Exactly. And I've used that so many times. It's like, look, everybody, it's just about being human and doing things that are right for humanity. Right. And not always thinking like, I got to get my piece of bread, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I got to get it and no one else can get it. It's a zero sum game. It's like, no, there's plenty for all of us. Let's be human and humane. And that will lead to a better planet, right? Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about what you're doing now. There's two components to what I'm doing now. One is my day job. And it's like Microsoft pays me to do a job, right? And currently I would classify it as useful, not quite as earth shattering as some of the things I've done in the past. And it's about making our Azure product just better, you know, and I'll just... Leave it at that because the details aren't super exciting. I'm um, sorry. So I'm not an engineer. So oh, okay. So Azure. Azure. What the heck is Azure that? <laughs> All right. <laughs> so you've probably heard of cloud and cloud services. Sure. And maybe you've even heard of Amazon's AWS. Yeah. We have something like that at Microsoft. But instead of called AWS, it's called Azure. Okay. All right. All it means is all the big companies, mostly, and even small companies around the world, Home Depot, instead of in the past, they would have their own building full of computers and run their own data center and mainframe computers and all this sort of stuff. That was 30, 40 years ago. The way they run now is we have the big giant data center and all the standard computers and we run that on their behalf. This is essentially taking the IBM business model and amplifying it across the entire world. And Microsoft and Amazon are the ones who are leading the charge on that sort of stuff. So making those services run, which is in turn runs the planet, that's one of the things that Azure does. You know, you can think okay. of it as the world's computer. So I help make the world's computer run better. Pretty important. Oh, it's important. <laughs> Don't want to downplay it, but I'm not the, I'm one of 50,000 people working on that. That's what I do. And I lead a team doing parts of it that we do. And I help us hire, like I was just in Atlanta last week. It's like, yeah, we're, we're doing great, but we could be doing better in terms of hiring diverse talent there. So I, I do that kind of stuff. And then aside from all of that, over the last year, year and a half, really post the George Floyd incident, 
I kind of said, all right, what am I going to do? Leap was great. You know, I created this program to hire women and minorities. That's fantastic. You could just rest on your laurels and call it a day. That was good enough. Not you. Not you. No, <laughs> not me. It's like, no, I'll go, I'll rest when I'm dead. So I, and, I, I just, and then I don't even know. Um, and then I, then I don't care. So, <laughs> you know, the first thing I did was I went to my peers. And I said, okay, I want to have a hundred K challenge. And the 100K challenge was we all make just boatloads of money. You know, we're not all billionaires, but we make enough money that you have $100,000 to invest in something, right? The challenge is, are you going to buy a Tesla? Are you going to buy another rental property? Are you going to buy a boat? Or are you going to invest in the development of someone else? Wow. Are you going to perhaps invest in a business? And what are you going to do with $100,000, right? Right. And for a year, I just really noodled on this. It's like, oh, I can invest. I bought a food uh, freeze-drying machine. It's like, maybe I'll get into freeze-drying foods and you know, distributing those in various neighborhoods. I just went through lots of different phases and I've been narrowing in on, okay, it's not just about me spending my 100K. It's really, can I set up a business structure that's going to maximize helping the most people? And then I started to strike on things like this word called tequity, which I can explain. Mm -hmm. And my own personal website and my personal brand, my story. I've been on lots of podcasts and starting speaking engagements and writing the book and all that to share the knowledge of everything I've done for 40 years. So then I can then say, hey, why don't we create the Motown of tech? Why don't we create a place where technology talent can be identified and pulled in and trained up in such a way that they're going out into the world, just like all those great artists from Motown did, right? Barry Gordy said, I'm going to find Stevie Wonder, Aretha Franklin, and all the rest. Smokey Robinson's going to help me out. And we're going to build up this talent pool that's just the most awesome on the planet. And they're going to go out and do good things, right? So I've been narrowing in on that's what I should do with my 40 years of learned tech and really help the next level of people. So those are the two things I've been doing. I've been doing my day job and I've been prepping the ground for, I'm going to leave that job at some point. So what am I going to leave into? Because I'm not going to go sit on the beach, sip Mai Tais. Right. right? Well, so, that's not you. It's not maybe, in the cards. Maybe for, a bit, maybe for a little bit, but not too long. Maybe a week and then it's back at it. Right. So you're also the master of suspense because I still don't know your website. And <laughs> oh, it's uh, william-a-adams.com. There's not a lot of writing there yet, but there's links to like, I've, I'm active on Twitter and LinkedIn and just started Instagram. That's funny. Um, <laughs> How about TikTok? So no TikTok. And I don't think I will. I don't look good for 15 seconds at a time. You know, like but that? I'm starting to like create the, I call it the black papers and other writings and videos and animations and stuff like that. Just to let people know it's like, okay, there's resources and help out here. You don't have to go it alone. So That's who what I'm should doing. connect with you? My particular focus, if I really get narrow, is African-Americans who are into tech. That's the people who I'm going to resonate the most with because I'm a tech guy, right? If you're trying to start a hair salon business, I'm probably not your guy. But as a person who's 
created their own business and been in a corporate setting and all the rest, there's certainly an appeal to anyone who finds themselves starting a business, wanting advice on finance, legal, taxes, you know, all the rest, or anyone who's trying to climb their way up in a corporate setting, there's certainly an appeal there. But my focus, if you pin me down and say, if you could only talk to two people, one of them is this and one of them is that, I'm going to say, I want to talk to the young entrepreneur in tech, because that's where I think I have the most impact, right? But my net's pretty broad. Okay, fantastic. Thank you. So, William, when you think of leadership today, yeah, what most concerns you and what are you most hopeful about? My concern is for the current crop, but my hope is the future. So my concern with people my age and perhaps 20 years younger is that we become complacent because we got ours and we stop, right? Those golden handcuffs are darn tight and pretty shiny. There aren't a lot of people in my company, and this is true across tech and probably true across a lot of other sectors. There aren't a lot of black leaders And once you get there, you want to stay there and you tend to start to cover more. If you weren't already, you want to fit in. It's like, you don't want to rock the boat. It's like, you just got that million dollar payout. Mm -hmm. The last thing you want to do is start rocking the boat. Hey, what about my brothers? (laughs) Mm -hmm. You're not going to rock the boat. You're going to say, okay, yep, I'm here. I've got some suggest. Oh, you don't want to hear my suggestion. Okay. Okay. I'm afraid we're complacent because we're satisfied and we're scared that we'll lose it for good reason, because you probably will, (laughs) right? Uh, So that's the fear that I have is that I won't leave, that I won't recognize when I've outgrown whatever situation I'm in and strive for the next level, the next run up. That's a fear I have, founded or unfounded. The hope I have is I look at the youth, and by youth, I mean anyone who's under 40. (laughs) I look at the youth, and I see so much intelligence and so much fire. I have one daughter who's 26, and she used to live in Long Beach until recently, and she's super intelligent. She did not pursue the high-tech, I could be a programmer earning $150,000 route, although she could have. She just didn't. And She was living in Long Beach and through the pandemic, she just kind of came to this realization that the game was not set up for her to succeed. You know, she's like, house prices are through the roof. We don't have those $150,000 plus jobs. And even if you did, it's still not enough. I will not be able to buy a house until I'm 60 years old. Well, that's kind of (laughs) dumb. Why should I play it that way? So she moved up here to Washington and she's looking to buy land and live a different kind of life in community. You know, I won't say commune, but she's looking to build a community that's closer to the land and not follow the typical city dwellers path because it's not a dream that's achievable anymore for them. So I have hope for that because they're just like, that game you all are playing doesn't work for us. We're going to try something different. And that's my hope is that they'll say, yeah, thanks. No, thanks. (laughs) He just seems like a chip off the young block over there. I guess, (laughs) you know, so I'm like, yeah, go girl, go. And I'm happy to throw my money at her because like, go spend this, you know, we're not doing anything fantastic with it. So that's my hope is that they're not going to be complacent. They're looking at the planet and they're going, 
nah, this is messed up. Thanks for the polluted planet. <laughs> we ain't having this. We're going to go a different route. So I, I, that's my hope is that the youth will do what youth always does, which is forsake their parents and do something different. Right. Very hopeful. Very hopeful. Yes, I'm with you. All right. So you have an option here. You can take a question from a former guest, or you can share a challenge or struggle that you learned from. No, I want the surprise question. <laughs> All right. I just spoke to Anthony Hughes recently. So Anthony Hughes wants to know, how do you elevate others around you in your quest to fulfill your vision? Ah. Uh. How do I elevate them? Well, first of all, by being clear about what my vision is. And I share that with people. The vision is essentially about leveraging technology, giving people an equity share of technology so that they can have intergenerational wealth. Okay, that's my vision. And I'm clear about that. When I interact with other people, I support them with their vision. I'm that servant kind of leader where I'm like, well, what do you want out of life? And I talk very transparent and exposed, right? I'm vulnerable. Now that's not to say I'm not buddy-buddy to the point where you lose the subordinate leader relationship because that's kind of important to maintain. But I am very authentic and I'm very open and we get down to just depth as soon as possible without all the foofy, you know, and that's not to say that I'm without social cues. I know how to read a person and have a conversation, but I will get to depth as quickly as possible. And I do that by being real and vulnerable. So I elevate them by saying, well, I support you, but I also challenge them. Be clear about what your vision and mission is. It's hard for me to support you if you're not clear what you want for yourself, right? right? right. Now that's how I'm going to support you. Now, you know what my mission is, you can opt into my mission because this is my boat. You know, if I'm leading something, it's my thing, right? So I'm going to be crystal clear about what my thing is. And if you believe in my thing and you're also, you know, I'm going to support you to develop as a human. If you can develop as a human and support my mission, you're on board, right? If you know my mission clearly and you're like, no, thanks, then away you go. Right. And that's fine. Okay, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No harm, no foul. But the worst way would be, I'm not clear about my mission. And I'm just telling you have to do this. Like, well, I don't know, you know, I don't know what it is you're doing. And how is that going to help me? So I'm just very clear on what it is I'm trying to go after and let people know that and let them know that I care about developing them as humans. And therefore, it's safe to hang out with me because they're going to be humans. They're not going to have to suppress their human development to satisfy whatever this mission is. And they know what the mission is, so they can calibrate whether they want to join it or not, right? That's how I do it. Yeah, so clarity is important to you, making people feel safe, and at the same time, challenging them is important to you. Absolutely, because that's how you get the best out of each other is by challenging and holding people accountable and saying, yeah, I support you 100%, but I'm going to hold you accountable too, Beautiful. right? <laughs> I, I, I'm not just your best buddy. It's like, no, you said you were going to do the following. That's right. Love it. All right. So as a listener of this podcast, what's a question that you would like a future leadership guest to respond to? Like, what are you curious about? I'm curious about how someone is maximizing inclusion in their organization. We have two words, diversity and inclusion. 
And I'm more interested in the inclusion part because diversity becomes a DNA game and that doesn't lead you a lot of places. But inclusion is about including different perspectives into whatever it is you're doing. And that's really what I'm after. So my question to anyone is, how do you really maximize inclusion in whatever it is that you're doing? That's a great question. And I will certainly pose it to our future leaders that come on here. And so is there anything else you want to share with our listeners? First of all, be kind to yourself, be kind to others, be humane. And it's okay that we don't always have all the answers. One of the questions you had that we didn't go over was about the pandemic, you know, and how we're going through that. And I wrote something up for myself and for my peers at the time in the very beginning. And can I read you a couple of sentences? Oh, absolutely. So it was basically this 11 point plan. And number one, this is my first pandemic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Number two, this is not my first riotous time, but first time during a pandemic. You know, I mean, I was alive for Rodney King and the L.A. riots and even before that, the Watts riots. But I was only probably two years old at the time. Um, I don't know how to manage under a worldwide crisis. Right. And these are all just statements to say, look, I'm not Superman. I'm not Superwoman. I am a human. And saying these statements out loud gives you room to be human. That's right. right. There's no playbook on how to manage during a worldwide crisis. It's okay that I don't have all the answers. I work with awesome people and we can depend on each other. So it's just on and on like that. And the conclusion is not all problems are solvable as engineering problems because we're a bunch of engineers and we think right. we can just engineer our way out of everything. Right. Human problems require different muscles and those muscles require exercise. Mm-hmm. So the bottom line is, uh, like I said, be kind to yourself. Recognize you don't have all the answers, and that's okay. I personally have a personal life creed that I've created that helps guide me from journey to journey or hill to hill. But be kind to yourself is probably the number one thing. Is that your life creed? No, the life creed. You can't tease us that way. Oh, okay, okay. So here's the the life creed. I'm all into acronyms. So L, learning. So my life is about learning. Learning is a big one because that means no matter what happens, Even if you got in a car accident, there's something to be learned from that. I is about being intentional. Don't just get blown by the wind, be intentional. And I practice this every morning by thinking about which way I put my belt on my pants. Normally you just thread it to the left. You know, it's automatic. Just like you normally wear your watch in the left hand, right? Right. Every morning I decide, do I want to thread to the left or thread to the right? So I make a conscious decision. Today I chose right. F is fearless. Now, this is a tricky one because some people think it means reckless. Like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to jump out of a plane. I'm afraid of that. Wait, Um, I did? (laughs) Oh, great. You know, fantastic. So fearless to me is being able to confront anything, meaning you probably have more fears around emotions than you do about physical things. So I'm not afraid to be confronted with anything. And I'm not afraid to confront someone with anything. So I have no emotional fear is probably the best way to say it. I have no fear, but I'm not reckless. And the last one is E, empathy. I had this conversation with my bestie about superpowers. He said, what superpower do you want? And I said, well, I want super speed and empathy because with super speed, you can do anything. But empathy is going to keep you from robbing the bank. 
<laughs> right? With your superpower. Empathy is important because I want to evolve as a human, but I don't want to go sit on a mountaintop and just om shanti om my way into nirvana. It's like, no, I want to stay connected to humans. So learning, intentional, fearless empathy, those four words, spells life, is what guides me. So every turn, when I contemplate, should I go for that new position? Should I start that company? Should I give $5 to the guy on the street? Should I anything? I have this in the back of my mind. How does this fit in with my life creed? And I always reflect back to that. And that's what keeps me going forward. So to connect with you, william-a-adams.com. Yep. And there's like Twitter and LinkedIn and all that other sort of stuff is there. Beautiful. You know, you are an amazing human. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. It's been a great conversation. All right. Well, fantastic. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.